0: bibles if you would to the book of joshua joshua chapter 4 if you are not familiar with the book of joshua it's not one that's uh <clears throat> real common i guess you'd say uh it is the the, the sixth book of the bible so if you start at genesis and hang a right uh you go to genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy and then joshua <clears throat> Joshua chapter 4. You know, one of the things I I never do is New Year's resolutions. Anybody here do a New New Year's resolution? Okay, a few of you, that's fine. I I just, I don't do them because I never keep them. So it's it's like, what's the point, you know? But um, the New Year is a great time for me To do a lot of reevaluating in my life, I I, I make that a habit every year uh, at New Year's, uh, uh, a couple days before, a couple days after. I spend a lot of time reevaluating things in my life, and there's something—I don't know what it is—but there's something about a new year that is a clean slate. You know, all the all the mistakes of 2022 are behind us. And 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 now we get to look forward to the mistakes of 2023. Uh, no, seriously. Um, uh, you know, you know. What do you do? You you make mistakes, right? We all make mistakes. And what is the what is the hope of the mistakes we made? That we learn from them and we and we move forward, and we learn new ways to mess up. Um, but it, it's a fresh start in in a lot of ways, and and. Um, uh, and when we can uh, reflect on the past and decisions and choices that we've made, uh hopefully it'll help us make good choices moving forward. At least that's the goal. The book of Joshua, in many ways, is a fresh start for the nation of Israel. <clears throat> um uh, just so just so you know the sermon this morning is going to be really short really short but the introduction is going to be really long okay <laughs> so you're not getting out early it just I'm you know the actual the sermon part is is going to be really short but uh, the introduction is important because if you don't understand what's taking place in the book of Joshua then uh when you read the book of Joshua it just it, it doesn't make a lot of sense but the book of Joshua it, it, again it, in, in many ways is a is a fresh start It's a new beginning for the nation of Israel and the reason why is um, well let, let me let me start at the very beginning in in Genesis chapter one in verse one, God created the heavens and the earth it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And that's where that's where the book of Genesis starts. And and the book of Genesis, if you've never taken time to read the book of Genesis, but the book of Genesis is absolutely fascinating, because it goes from the creation of mankind all the way through the story of Joshua or, or uh, yeah uh, Joseph. Excuse me, not Joshua, uh, Joseph. There's too many J's in this. So I'm probably going to make that mistake multiple times today. Uh, so please forgive me in advance. Um, but it goes through the story of Joshua. And, and, and we spent a lot of time last year looking at the life of Joseph. And, and, and just an incredible man. But between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis chapter 50... I think it's verse 31 or so, <clears throat> the, end of, the end of the book. The, the nation of Israel makes some, some good choices and they make some bad choices. It, it, is, a, it is a story of, uh, of, of life, really. Genesis, the, 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 the whole book of Genesis, it, it, is, an, it is an incredible journey that God takes us on showing us the ability to make good choices and bad choices. The, the, it ends on a high note with Joseph uh, because Joseph was a man who was a very godly man who made a lot of really good choices. He's one of, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's, he's one of two men in the Bible that nothing negative is ever said about him? Who can tell me the other one? Daniel. Those are the only two that I know of that nothing is negative is ever said. Now, does that mean they live perfect lives? No, absolutely not. But they were just godly men that God honored in the word of God. Joseph's Dad's name, if you as you're reading the Book of Genesis, his name is Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Joseph was number 11 of the 12, and Joseph was in a predicament because his brothers hated him, his 10 older brothers. And I'm going to condense the story here because we went in detail last year. Um, but just for those of you that weren't here last year, uh, Joseph was sold into slavery. Uh, by his brothers, because they hated him so much. And he ended up in the nation of Egypt. Through a series of events, and those of you that know the story know I'm condensing it quite a bit. Um, Through a series of events, uh, Joseph becomes the prime minister of Egypt. He goes from being a slave to being the second most powerful man in the world through a series of incredible events. There is a major drought that comes into play, and Joseph is instrumental in saving the nation of Egypt from starvation. And in the process of this, uh, his his family uh, moves to Egypt again. I'm I'm this is the Ricklin version of Genesis here. Okay, um, uh, his family moves to Egypt uh, during the drought. And in uh, Genesis chapter 47, verses 11 to 14, it says, And Joseph placed his father and his brethren and gave them uh, a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his uh, father's household with bread according to their families. And Genesis chapter uh, uh, 50 uh, ends with these last three verses. Let me read these uh, verses to you. Uh, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware unto Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. And to Joseph, uh, excuse me, and Joseph took, uh, an oath of the children of Israel, saying, "God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from thence." And Joseph died, being a hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Then, at the end of at the end of Genesis chapter fifty, verse twenty six, <clears throat> we come to the book of Exodus. The Book of Exodus, (coughs) if if you're familiar with with uh, Charlton Heston, uh, is a (coughs) is (coughs) excuse me. It's an incredible story. But how much time? Anybody know how much time (coughs) from Genesis chapter? 50 verse 26 to Exodus chapter 1. 400 years. 400 years. The children of Israel lived in the land of Egypt. And as Joseph's memory fades from the line of Pharaohs, the Pharaohs see that the children of Israel are growing and and they are really becoming their own nation. So they, they the pharaohs enslaved the the Hebrews. And they served the Egyptian monarchy for, for centuries. In Acts chapter seven, verse six, it says, And God spake on this wise. That his seed should sojourn in a strange land, and that they should bring them into bondage, and entreat them, uh, and, and entreat them evil, four hundred years. Four hundred years. Can you imagine? And then God sends a man. Who, who's the man? Moses. God sends a man named Moses. To free his people. Exodus chapter 3 verses 7 and 8. And the Lord said, I have uh, surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. And I know, uh, excuse me, and and I am come down to deliver them out of, of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land unto the good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the uh, uh, Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And I love Moses' reply to God. In Exodus chapter three, verse 11, Moses said unto God, "Who am I? Who am I? That I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. God, God hears the cries of the people. For four hundred years they have been enslaved. And it's time to bring him out. And so he calls on a guy named Moses. And Moses, and and when God tells him what he wants him to do, Moses' response is, Who am I? I'm a nobody. But God very clearly puts his hand on Moses. Moses goes to the Pharaoh. And he goes, and he, and he, and he, in the presence of Pharaoh, he says, he, he it's, it's really simple. He just says, hey, let my people go. Moses, or, and Pharaoh looks at Moses and says, no, nah, I don't think so. Bad choice. <clears throat> so then we come to the plagues. Most of us are familiar with the ten plagues. The first one is he turned uh, the water into blood. Then there came frogs. I think the worst one is the lice. That just kind of really grosses me out. Flies. The livestock were, was diseased. Boils. Hail. Locusts. Darkness. And then the final one the death of the firstborn. Pharaoh finally had had enough. Finally got to the point where he said, okay, I give. And in Exodus chapter 12, verse 31, and he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel and go and serve the Lord as you have said. Now, I want you to think about something. What do you think was going through the mind of Moses at that moment? I can think of probably a hundred different scenarios of things that was going through the mind of Moses Now, I came across something many years ago and I want to share this with you because I I think it's important. Now, I want to say this right out of the beginning. I don't know how accurate these statistics are, but you have to admit it it causes a lot of thought because the nation of Israel, when they had gone into... when, when, When Joseph brought... His, uh, his dad and his brothers to Egypt. The, the, most theologians think there's about 70 people with the, with the family and the grandkids and the great-grandkids and all that stuff. So they, they're thinking it was about 70-ish people. By the time 400 years lapse, most theologians believe that the nation of Israel had grown to 2 to 3 million people. So now, 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 this guy Moses is now in charge of transporting two to three million people across the desert. As they had fled, Moses was responsible for feeding these people. According to the U.S. Army quartermaster general Moses needed 1500 tons of food a day filling two freight car uh, freight trains each a mile long that's every day besides you must remember <clears throat> that they had to cook the food Just for cooking, it took 4,000 tons of firewood, which equals a couple more freight trains each a mile long every day just to be able to cook the food. And where are they going? Going into the desert. And we live in the desert. Is there a lot of trees? (laughs) No. No. Now, let's not forget water. If they only had enough water when they left to wash a few dishes and no bathing, think about this. Just, just enough to survive on. No, no bathing involved. Just eating and drinking. Washing a few dishes. It would take... Eleven million gallons of water a day. Can you do you think Moses stopped and thought about all that? I don't know. Another thing. Where did they end up? They ended up at the Red Sea, right? They had to get across the Red Sea in one night. Now, if they had a narrow path, double file, okay, remember this is two to three million people, double file the line would be 800 miles long and require 35 days and nights to complete the crossing. So that means that in order to do it in one night, the space of the Red Sea that needed to be opened up was a space of three miles and that they would walk 5,000 abreast in order to get over in one night. Now, again, I don't know how accurate these these numbers are, but they have to be relatively close. But do you think Moses when they left Egypt sat down and rationalized and thought about it and came up with a logistical plan of how to feed all these people and do all that? I don't believe he did. I believe that the 40 years that he spent on the backside of the desert was a, a time of learning how to trust God. And I believe that the whole journey in the desert was a period of time that the children of Israel needed to learn how to trust God. For their provision, for their food, for their water, for the clothes that they wore. The children of Israel would eventually endure the desert for 40 years. Over and over and over and over and over they saw the hand of God in their lives. Moses led them the entire time. An incredible journey. Again, if you've not read the the story of Genesis, let me encourage you to do that. Then it comes time to finally go to the promised land. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, God brings them back to the Jordan River. And Moses' time is done. Moses is Moses <clears throat> is no longer the leader of Israel, and he passes the the leadership, if you would, to his personal aide and his military commander named Joshua. The word Joshua means the Lord is salvation. That's what it. The, in, in that is the. Excuse me, the Hebrew, the Hebrew pronunciation is Joshua. In the New Testament, the, the Greek pronunciation of the word Joshua is the word Yeshua. The English pronunciation is Jesus. The Lord is salvation. As we read here in Joshua chapter 4 in just a moment, I believe that God sets the tone for Joshua's life. I'm I'm planning on next week talking a little bit more about Joshua. So I won't go into a lot of it. But Joshua was a very precious, special man. The first time that they come to the Jordan River before the 40 years of wandering God tells Moses to send spies out. And we and those of you that grew up in Sunday school which I did not, but I heard my kids sing the song all the time. <clears throat> how many bad spies were there? 10 bad spies and 2 good spies. Okay? And who were the two good spies? Joshua and Caleb. And God promised that, well, I I don't want to go into next week's message too much, but anyway, so Joshua is one of two men that God promised would would see the promised land. Joshua and Caleb. Joshua chapter 4. Let's start reading in verse 1. And it came to pass, when all the people were clean pass over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place, where the priest's feet uh, stood firm, 12 stones, and ye shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Uh, Skip down to verse 6. That this may be a sign among you that when your children ask your fathers in the time to come saying, what mean ye these stones? Then ye shall answer them with the, the water of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When, <coughs> <excuse> me, <coughs> uh, <coughs> when it passed over Jordan, the, water, the waters of Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel. Forever. And the children of Israel did as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the number of the tribe of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, as we freely admit, we need you in our lives. Yet not I, but Christ in me. Lord, help us to see our need for you this morning. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. They set up a memorial as they, as they passed over the Jordan. The, these 12 men grabbed the stone and they carried it across onto the other side. And, and when, they, when they made camp, they, they set up a memorial, these 12 stones. <clears throat> the reality is this. If we do not remember where God has brought us from, we will fail to serve him. Let let, let me say that again. If we, okay, are you awake? Everybody awake, okay. If we fail to remember where God has brought us from, we will fail to serve him. Can somebody please say amen? Okay, thank you. You're awake. Because that is absolutely critical in our lives. We need to constantly remember where God has brought us from. Joshua. And the Israeli army set out to take the land that God had promised them. It starts with the city of Jericho. And we all, hopefully you're familiar with the city of Jericho. The the army marches around the city of Jericho how many times? Seven times. And then what happens? The walls fall down. And God gives them the city of Jericho. Battle after battle, after battle, God does miraculous things. Then finally, it comes time for the for the the, 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 the nation of Israel to settle down and to to stop fighting because they've conquered the land. And it's time to settle down and become a nation and 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 start doing the things that they wanted to do. And Joshua, is still the leader, but knew his <clears throat> his time was short. He by this time he was an old man. And he brings the the, the the nation together for one last time. And he wants to challenge the people to walk with God. But Joshua does something absolutely phenomenal. In his last, I don't, well, I shouldn't say his last, but in, in his last attempt to encourage the people to walk with God, he does something absolutely phenomenal. He takes all of the issues of life, all of the problems that we face, every imaginable scenario, and he simplifies it into one thing, if you would, one statement and and I love I love what Joshua does here, because he cuts through all the peripheral things that we deal with in life. and we all we all deal with peripheral problems, do we not? and oftentimes it's those those problems that drive us instead of us driving our problems turn over to chapter 24 here in Joshua Joshua chapter 24 <clears throat> In Joshua chapter 24, again in his in his last attempt to get his the, the the nation of Israel to serve God, he says this in in verse 11. He says, "And when you went over Jordan and came to Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the uh, 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 Gergesites and the <coughs> Hivites and the Jebusites, you know it's hard to say all that." Just, you know, just saying, okay? Um, uh, and I delivered them into your hand. Who, who did who did the delivering? The army or God? God. And Joshua is reminding the children of Israel, hey, it was God that did it all. Verse 12, And I sent the hornet before you, which drove uh, them out before you, even the two kings of Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye did not build, and ye dwell in them, of the vineyards and the oliveyards which ye planted not. Do ye eat. Verse fourteen. Now therefore, because of everything that God has done for you, now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the of, of the flood. And in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that are on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in which the, whose land ye dwell. But as for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua takes and simplifies it all and boils it down very simply. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 Enter ye into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. For many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Joshua takes the issues of life, all the problems that we face, every imaginable scenario that we can come up with, and he boils it down, to two choices. Either you're going to please God or you're going to please yourself. It's really that simple. Okay, it's time for the sermon. Are you ready? Here's the title of the sermon. Choices. Choices. See, we all have choices to make. We all make choices. Choices. There, if if you were to uh, come to my house and look on my computer screen right at the top of my computer, so not on the screen itself but on the frame i have a I have a quote on on the on the frame of my computer and i've and I've had on every computer I've had for 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 years I have this quote It's from a guy named Ken Collier Ken Collier said this he said <clears throat> Just two choices on the shelf. Pleasing God, pleasing self. And I believe, I don't know how he concluded this quote, but I I can't help but wonder if he didn't get it from this idea of what Joshua says here. Because that's what Joshua says to the nation of Israel. Either you're going to please God or you're going to please yourself. It's really that simple. But what do we do? We take all the imaginable scenarios of life and we allow them to control how we react instead of us reacting to the way God wants us to react. We are going to please God we're going to please ourselves. Point number one. Never, or or don't forget. Never forget, don't forget, however you want to write it. Go back to verse four, or excuse me, chapter four. Chapter four, in verse seven. Then, you shall answer them, and uh, <clears throat> that the waters of Jordan were cut off, of the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan and the waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel for how long? Forever. Forever. God told Joshua to set up a memorial for the simple Reminder of what God did that day. Another thing that I have on my computer is a picture. of One of my screensavers it is a picture of the USS Frank Cable. You know why I keep that? Most of you do. I was saved on board the USS Frank Cable. It's a memorial, if you would, to remind me of where God has brought me from. It was that day that God saved my life. It was that day I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. And I never want to forget that day. But these stones we're a memorial and I can, I, as I have thought about this many times, I, I have envisioned something like this taking place. One of the men that, that, that was chosen to pick up a stone. He, he grabbed this stone and he, and he brought it over and he, and he put it on the pile. And then later, maybe that evening or, or in the next few days, he, he got his son and he brought his son over and he said, son, That stone, that is the stone that I brought. Never forget what God did here today. And then many years later, I see that his son bringing his son to the pile of stones and saying, Hey, you see this stone right here? This is the stone that your grandpa carried out of the river. And then his, him doing it to his son and his son. And then later, down the road, generation after generation, the man coming and bringing a son and saying, Hey, look, you see this stone? Your great-great-great-great-great-grandfather brought this out of the river so that we would never forget what God has done in our lives. And we as Christians today don't talk enough about what God does in our lives. We should get on the, on the rooftops and shout what God does in our lives because we get intimidated by the things of this world. Amen. And we should be proud and, and excited to share the things that God does in our lives because if we forget these things, we will not serve God. in the book of Joshua the people had forgotten what God had done go back to chapter 24 Joshua chapter 24 see they had been so busy fighting and 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 trying to capture the land that I, I believe what happened was they, again, they allowed the, the circumstances of life to take away their passion for God. And they were so far removed from the memorial that God had told them to put up. Many years of fighting, many years of hardship that they had forgotten. And the verse 14 of chapter 24. It says, "Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve you the Lord." The implication here is incredibly clear. What is, what is Joshua telling them to do? Put away the gods. So what is the implication? The implication is they had carried the gods with them. They were not serving the God. They were serving the gods of this world. And Joshua, it was a heavy burden on the heart of Joshua. And he was pleading with them, put away the gods of your fathers. Put them away and turn back to God. Point number two, serve God. Serve God. It really is that simple. Serve God. if we will make the choice to serve the Lord, then everything else in our lives takes a back seat. And that's what Joshua is trying to get the children of Israel to do, is to understand that if God becomes the most prompt, Prominent thing in your life, everything else becomes secondary. And the issue of either we're going to serve God or serve ourselves is taken care of. As I thought about it, I thought our world today, we have the opportunity to serve God. A lot of gods, do we not? We, we can serve the God of busyness. How many of us are guilty of that one other than me? How about the God of money? I think at one time or another we're all guilty of that one too. Here's another one that we don't like to admit, but the God of popularity. Nobody wants to stand out, right? We all want to blend in. But the Bible says we are peculiar people. We're different. The God of happiness, the God of self, those are just some of the ones I came up with. But we can serve a multitude of God's. It's really easy. Just two choices on the shelf. Serving God. Or excuse me, pleasing God or pleasing self. Think about it. Choices. Joshua had the incredible talent. But taking the complexity of life and boiling it down into a simple statement Who are you going to serve? You're going to serve God, or you're going to serve yourself? And as we start off 2023, let me encourage you spend some time reevaluating your life. And seeing, let God show you areas in your life that you're not giving to Him. It could be, it could be that some of us just need to step back and say, you know what? As a family, our lives are way too busy. We need to simplify our lives. And the unfortunate part of that is there are some things that need to be eliminated. Maybe. I don't know. I can't answer that question. I can just tell you things that I've had to deal with in the past. It could be that somebody here is dealing with another scenario. The scenarios can go on and on and on. That's not the point. The point is this. Spend some time this week asking God, how can I simplify my life so that I can serve you better? Because the choices are simple. Pleasing God or pleasing self. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the the Word of God that can, can show us areas in our lives that oftentimes we need to change. Lord, I am truly thankful and grateful for your love and for the the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I ask as we bring our service to an end this morning that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, you would strengthen us, that you would give us the courage to change some things in our lives so that we could serve you better. We are truly thankful and grateful. With every